Good morning, everybody. Nice to be back with you again. Although I'm sorry Malcolm's away, but I think he's coming back quite soon. I have an intimation, and I'm told to make it very clear. So those of you who are involved, listen. The Kirk session will meet after the prayer meeting on Wednesday. You got it? Thank you. Kirk session meet after the prayer meeting on Wednesday, God willing. Let us begin the public worship of God here this morning by singing to God's praise in Psalm 119 in the Scottish Psalter, verse 137 to 144. Psalm 119, O Lord, thou art most righteous, thy judgments are upright. Thy judgments invite you to join me in prayer. And Lord, we ask you to help us to pray. Give us to understand what we are professing to do. It seems 
that we are at worship. It seems that when we gather and when we sing and when we bow our heads to pray. But Lord, this is something that we can do outwardly and our hearts can be somewhere else. Our minds are often somewhere else. Please have mercy on each of us. Please visit us with a sense of who you are, how great you are, and that we would come and acknowledge that in everything, even in the way we sing, even in the way we listen or preach or talk, we sin. And Lord, we, we know that that's the case, but we forget that sin is that which you hate. And our need this morning is exceedingly great. In view of the realities of life and death. Soon the place that knows us now, be it Inverness or Scotland or this building, Soon, the place that we know now will know us no more forever. We will appear before the all-seeing eye, the judge of all the earth, the one whose records are accurate, and utterly fair at the judgment seat of Christ. And in view of that solemn appointment that we have, we cannot face it on our own. But we thank you that you call us here today to Jesus to behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world we ask that you would create within each of us a clean heart, a desire to see the King in his beauty, to hear your word speak to our own hearts, and that we would say, your word we have hid in our heart. Lord, Send your light forth and your truth to awaken the dead, revive the living, that we would come to give you the glory that is due to your name. We commit the burdens we have about our futures about our past, about our uncertainties, about our families, about our nation, our congregation, our community. Lord, you tell us, and we ask that we would just do that, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We pray for the pastor and the leadership in the congregation here. We ask that they would grow in the knowledge of their God and their Father in a way that would give them fresh joy and energy and confidence in you and your word and promise. We pray for those who are unable to be here today for a variety of reasons. You know the reasons. You understand where they are and their circumstance. We ask that your word would be what it is for them, 
the Word of God leading and guiding. We pray, Lord, for grace to pray, to plead the promise, if ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And we ask for that promise to be fulfilled in our hearts and minds as we hear your word read, as we think about it, as we learn from it. Continue with us and pardon us for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to read from the first book of Kings, chapter 22. And I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 28. For three years, Syria and Israel continued without war. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And we keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to the battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord, of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, yeah there, yeah, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imla, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imla. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes at the thrashing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Canaanah, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and try him. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain and he answered him, Go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. 
And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did not I tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Rahab that he may go up and fall on Ramoth Gilead? One said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I'll go out. And will put, will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these, all these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Canaan, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, How did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah. Take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, thus says the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, hear all ye peoples. Amen. And may God add his blessing and give us understanding of some of what we read, if not all of it. Children, can I have your attention, please? If you're able to think and listen to me for a minute or two, that will be helpful. I have a girl who works with me. Her name is Nesta. She's from Northern Ireland. And she has something written on her arm there. And it's a word that I don't think any of you will know or remember. This little word. It is called H. E-S-S-E-D. Hesed. Hesed. Now I wonder, I'm sure there's one or two here who knows what that word is and what that word means. The word hesed appears in the original language in Hebrew in the Old Testament, 250 times. So it's quite an important word. And one of the remarkable times when it does appear is when Moses asked God, I want to see something of how wonderful you are, how glorious you are. And God eventually responds, and says, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast love, constant love, continuing love, eternal love. It's often translated as the word mercy or faithfulness. Hesed. So when Malcolm comes back, and if you're here next weekend, I want you to say to Malcolm, I hope all of you will go up to Malcolm and say, Mr. Mr. Minister, do you know what the word hesed means? Hesed. Will you remember that? Hesed. You remember that. Good. There's one that's going to remember it anyway. Hesed. And I want you all to know that word. 
because there is in a psalm composed by David, it's Psalm 136. And in that one psalm, it appears 26 times. One psalm, 26 times, the word hesed. And here it is. His steadfast love endures forever. Are you listening? Did you hear it? You got it, did you? I thought you were stretching as if you were sleep- didn't get very much sleep last night. Did you get it? Hesed, you got it. And it means steadfast love. And which psalm has it 20 times? Mm-hmm. 136. 20 times. Hesed. So maybe you could go home with a Bible and write on the back of your hand H E S S E D. Hesed. And it's a wonderful thing to think about. The Bible is full of that word, Hesed, telling us that our Lord is full of steadfast love. Let's say the verse together. His steadfast love endures forever. I'm listening. His steadfast love endures forever. Now, there's a wee fellow over there who kept his mouth closed. We're going to all say it. His steadfast love endures forever. Good. Thank you. And remember that. And that applies to us all. That word, hesed. Get a hold of it. And let that word get a hold of you. Now we will together say and pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And again, we turn to sing. Now, Mothers, don't worry about the noise. I love the noise of children. Yeah? So don't, don't let that put you off. But if you need to go somewhere, there's a crash. But I love the noise of the children. And I, I love particularly when they listen. Like that wee fellow there. Do you remember the word? Hesed. Yeah? Your dad will tell you about it when you get home. We're going to sing next in Sing Psalms. Psalm 43, verses 1 through 5. We'll sing these verses to God's praise.
I'd like to read again with you the 14th verse of the chapter we read. Micaiah's words, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that will I speak. And you might think that this story is about uh, Ahab. Well, it is in part about Ahab. But it's not about Ahab I'm going to speak. Ahab was king of Israel. He's married to Jezebel. And he was uh, a conniving coward, we might say. He reigned for about 20, 23 years. You might say, well, perhaps he's going to speak about the other king here, Jehoshaphat. Well, he was better. He did a lot of good things. He was a man of purpose. He achieved a lot, but he lacked conviction. He was easily led astray. That's not, neither of these characters is the subject of this morning's meditation. I want to speak about this man, Micaiah. Micaiah, do you know him? Do you know about him? Have you heard of him? I want to speak firstly about his message. What was he about? What did he say? Secondly, the opposition he got. And thirdly, the effects, the outcome. It's message, opposition, and outcome. Firstly, he warned of death. You'll see that in chapter 20. What a solemn warning. Death is coming. Surely we would listen to such a warning. I was at a wedding recently, and the main subject of the wedding address was these words in the vow. Till God shall separate us by death. He warned of death for not obeying God's word. And you are warned of exactly the same thing. The whole world's A hospital. And everyone that's in it is terminal. The fundamental question for me and for you, friend, is have I obeyed God's word? That's your question. God's word, God's commandment, and here it is, 1 John 3, verse 23. This is his commandment, 
that you would believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. If I said there's a commandment that says thou shalt not kill and ask you, have you kept it? You would probably say yes. I haven't killed, I haven't murdered. But I'm asking you the same question about this commandment. Have you believed? It's not merely an offer of salvation. It's a commandment to believe. Jesus himself in John chapter 8, verse 24, tells us, if you don't believe what's, what comes after that? He says it. If you don't believe, you will die in your sins. It's a very solemn verse in Psalm 9, I think it is that says, they who are wicked into hell, each one shall turn it be, and all the nations that finish it, that forget to seek the Lord Most High. Have you forgotten to seek him since the last time you heard about him? Firstly, then, Micaiah warned of death. Secondly, he clearly rebuked evil. We see this twice. He was not concerned whether Ahab liked the message or not. He clearly rebuked evil. Isn't that what Jesus did? Take these things hence. What about ourselves when we're here in Greyfriars this morning? What about ourselves when we were at home last evening? What are we doing in our heart this morning? What are you thinking about this morning? People came in that door and looked. They said, these people are worshipping. And I look at you and I can tell you're awake. Yeah, as far as I can see, everybody's awake. I can tell your eyes are towards the pulpit, but I can't tell what's going on in here. And you can't tell what's going on in here, in mine. But God looks upon your heart. He knows what you're doing. He wasn't pleased with the money changers. They were doing worldly business. And perhaps you're in church this morning thinking about what needs done to the car, to the garden. Will I get enough overtime this week? Or whatever. You're professing by your presence and your face to be worshipping the Lord. Are we? Where is the heart? By this test, we can learn where we truly believe or not. You want to know whether you believe? Do you want to know whether you're a believer or not? Here's the verse that will fix that for you, I trust. 1 Peter 1, verse 7. Unto you, therefore which believe he is precious. Is Christ precious to you? Are you saying in response to him, as he asks, the psalmist says, when thou didst say, seek ye my face, then unto thee reply, thus did my heart above all things. Above all things, thy face, Lord, seek will I. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So he warned of death. 
He rebuked evil, and he preached the truth. Verse 19, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord, the truth, the whole truth, thus saith the Lord. Please understand this, that your pastor and the preacher is only a messenger. When you get an invitation to a wedding, you know, you've got nice envelopes. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you, this is a nice thing to get in the mail. It looks like something special. And you open it, and it's an invitation to a wedding. And you're quite thrilled, aren't you? What do you do? You don't go running after the postman and say, Mr. Postman, thank you for a lovely letter. It's who the message is from. All I'm doing here and failing in it is I'm only delivering a message. He preached the truth. The message that is important. We need to recognize that God's word is just that. There's a solemn thing, isn't it, in Isaiah chapter 3, I think. Say ye to the righteous, it shall be well with you. And to the wicked, it shall be bad with you. You know that. Do you believe it? So he warned of death. He rebuked evil. He preached the truth and he had a message for all. Verse 28. Hearken, O people, every one of you. He pled with them. God commands all men everywhere to repent. God commands you to repent, whether you're from Strathetic, Kalkabuk, the Crown, or Keswick, wherever you're from. You are commanded to repent, every one of you. Every one of us. Isn't that what Paul went about doing? I pray with you. In Christ's stead, it's as if I come to you on bended knee. I want you to believe and to trust in Jesus. He ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks. Alas, we say, perhaps we'll say that to you another time. Perhaps I'll say something to my neighbor, my work colleague, my friend, my family, my son, my daughter. Perhaps I'll tell them another time that they need to come to Jesus. And as I was thinking about this yesterday, there's a story here. And it's from D.L. Moody, who you may have heard of. In 1871... Moody was preaching in the Farewell Hall in Chicago. And large crowds were attending the meeting, and the largest crowd he ever spoke to was there that evening. His text was, What shall I do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? At the close of the meeting, he said, I wish you would take this text home with you, turn it over in your minds during the week, and next Sabbath we will come to Calvary and you can then decide what you are going to do with Jesus. Next Sabbath. When Moody got home that night, he saw the smoke of the great fire of Chicago. 
fire crossed the river. He had to get out of his house. Moody said, never, never, never again will I say to someone, think about it for a week. I'll never say, let's go back to this subject next week. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. When he preached again in Chicago, he said, not one of you who were here the last time I preached are here tonight. And he told the story, and he said, I press on you. Embrace Jesus Christ now. So that's a little about Micaiah's message. That he warned of death, that he rebuked evil, that he preached the truth, and that he had a message for all. So what was the opposition like? Well, the fact that he was speaking to the king was not going to change the message. He might have said, it's a great privilege, you know, to have a, to have a seat at the table, to get a hearing from the king. I better be very careful what I say. I don't want to offend the king. The king is powerful. In fact, the king is the fellow who put me in prison. What will I speak? What will happen to me if I tell him the truth? No. No, what the Lord says to me, that will I speak. I leave the consequences to him. What the Lord says to me, that will I speak. Isn't that what David resolved to do? I'll speak thy word to kings. And I with shame shall not be moved. William, and I'm speaking to myself. Do you speak about the Lord and his word to people you work with and meet with? Do you do it? Or are you ashamed? He had opposition. And you'll see it. In verse 13, where they said, listen, you know, the king wants to see you. He wants some help from you. But please tell him what he wants to hear. Speak to the king what is good. We are the Lord's people. They use that language. We are speaking on behalf of the Lord. And then the majority were against him. 400 prophets who claimed they were speaking in the name of the Lord. They sounded religious. They were prophets. They claimed to be speaking in the name of the Lord. They can't be wrong. One of you against 400. Just you toe the party line and everything will be okay. Isn't that the pressure on us in the gospel today? Yeah, we want Christ Jesus. We like him as, a, as an example. Oh, we love the Christmas story. It's great. Everybody has a party and we all get gifts. And we quite like the Easter story too. It shows what uh, people, how much they love people. But don't dare you tell us that Christ died for the ungodly. Speak to us smooth things. 
Give us the Christ Jesus we would like to have, not the Christ Jesus that there is. Tell us to love one another. Yeah, to do good to our neighbor. To be diligent. To be honest. Oh, these are good things. But don't tell me that I need to be born again. Don't tell me that I, in my sin, will die and go to a lost eternity. The majority could not, let him, could not make him change his mind. So we've considered a little about the message, the opposition, subtle it was, and it's subtle today. Bide your time, get your seat at the table. Speak to a smooth thing. Finally, the effects. It's there in verse 8 and verse 18. He was hated, therefore I hate him. Can you think of another person who was hated for the message? They hated me without a cause. Their mouths they opened wide on me. Away with him, away with him. We will not have this man to rule over us yet. I think that's a very clever move of our adversary, the devil. Yet. He said, oh yes, I want Jesus, but not yet. And we might say, well, we attend church. In fact, we're quite good to the church. If there's anything needing done, we'll do it. If it needs cutting the grass, I'll cut it. If I need, they need help in the kitchen, I'll do it. We'll do things for the church. But the question is not, what do you do for the church? The question is, what do you think of Jesus? What think ye of Christ? He was hated, Micaiah. Jesus was hated. And friend, if you're standing up for Jesus in this day, do not be surprised if even from family and friends and colleagues and neighbors, you're despised. So he was hated. Then he was put in prison. He was there twice. He was put back in prison. You'll see that in verses 26 and 27 for what he did. Put him on a bread and water ration. I put it to you. If you were to be put on a bread and water ration, would you stand up for Jesus? What effect would that have on us? Does your witness cost you? Now, you might be saying, and I think I would be if I was sitting where you are, who in the wide world does he think he is speaking to me like that? And I can understand that. And I, I, I'm saying this to myself, although I'm saying it to you. Who do you think you are, William? when you're telling us to, to tell others, to make mention that his name is exalted, to cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. And there's no use in saying, not yet. Not just now, not till things are easier. These are 
lame, lame excuses. So he was hated. He was put in prison on a bread and water ration. Then there was the threat from the king, verse 27. Until I come in peace, then I'll sort you out. When I come back from the war, which I'm going to win, then I'll deal with you. There was a threat. And alas, there is a threat today in the UK. There is a threat for those who will speak out. The Christian Institute have dealt with some of them. There is a threat, and we're frightened of it. So he was hated. He was put in prison. The threat from the king didn't change him. Didn't put him off. Then there was this guy, Zedekiah. Verse 24. The original slap in the face. That's how he was treated. Zedekiah there cast doubt on all his claims. And friend, I know that there's an adversary, the brother who was with me through in the back there, mentioned this before the service, that there is an adversary. The devil is trying to do something in your heart and mind now. He's trying to say to you what he said at the beginning. Did God really say that? The devil's favorite word is, I think anyway, his favorite word is, but. You read something in the Bible, you hear something in the preaching, and you immediately use this word. But, but, I've got another thing. But, casting doubt. But, that's not for me. But, I have got lots of time yet. I don't think there's anybody in this building today who doesn't want to have peace in death. There's nobody in this building who is hoping to go to hell. Has the word but been used though? Is the but in your heart and mind saying, well, yeah, I'll wait till Malcolm comes back. I'll wait till I have a remarkable experience. So he was hated. He was put in prison twice. He was uh, threatened by the king and he was slapped in the face and his claims were questioned by Zedekiah. One other effect. It was true. It actually came to pass what he had said, what had been prophesied about Ahab. And Ahab was a bit frightened about this. Ahab knew that there might be something up, so he, he disguised himself. He said to his compatriot, Jehoshaphat, you just carry on with your, with your armor and your clothes. I, I, I'll just dress up like everybody else. I know the opposing army from Syria are after me, so they'll not know who, where I am or who I am. And there's this little expression used. Somebody took his bow and arrow. He drew his bow at a venture. He just flung it in the air. You know where the arrow landed? In a kink in the armor. Who arranged that? 
it seems impossible that anybody would get Ahab because he was armored and he was in disguise and fella just threw a bow at adventure. And it was true. And friend, you and I are going to find that that is all, that the word of God is all true. Let the word of God then be what it is. The only rule to direct us as to how we live and how we may glorify and enjoy him. That your endeavor and your confidence would be in the word. That you could say with David in Psalm 119, thy word is very pure. Therefore thy servant loves it. I love it even when it tells me I'm wrong. I love it when it points me to the man, Christ Jesus. I love it when it points me to the man who was on the cross for the man who bore my sins in his own body on the tree. I love it because it tells me about Jesus. I love it because it invites me to Jesus. I love it because it commands me to come to Jesus. I love it because I know I can't do it myself, but he said, come. And if you come in obedience to the word, you will find that his grace is sufficient for you. May the Lord bless his word to us. Lord, help us to pray, to learn from Micaiah's resolve what the Lord says to me, that will I speak. We confess we are so affected by the culture and the world around us We confess that we're afraid of being hated and of suffering. But give us to understand that you've promised that to us. In this world you shall have tribulation. But we thank you that that verse doesn't stop there. It reminds us and declares to us But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We thank you for the hope that that gives to us today. The promise of your peace that is for time and for eternity. The hope and joy of the resurrection. We pray for your word that it would lodge in our hearts and minds that we would be thankful for the commandment to believe and for the injunction that we need to be born again. And we find ourselves in our inability saying, have mercy on us. And if we have that cry here this morning, have mercy on us, we are given the confidence to go home to our house justified because you delight in mercy and you continue to be merciful to us. Bless your cause and kingdom in Scotland. Provide pastors for those parts of our land that are without pastors. Add to the number of those who declare the unsearchable riches of Christ. Fill vacant pulpits. Arise and disappoint our fears. Visit us with times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Prepare us for your will. Bring those of us who are able back here to the evening service and grant that we would pray about hearing from yourself and worshiping you wholeheartedly and pardon us for Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll conclude by singing Psalm 119 from verse 41 to verse 48.
to God's praise. Psalm 119, let thy sweet mercy also come and visit me, O Lord. And I would ask, I would ask that these are not just words for you. And that will make today different. Let thy sweet mercy come and visit me. That would make it a good day. Let us sing these verses to God's praise. Let thy sweet mercies also We have together sung, I will meditate on your word. Grant that each of us would do that in a way that we would know the blessing of the triune God as we go into the future, that we would be kept by the word of God, 
and by the power of God, through faith unto salvation, for your name's glory. Amen.